0: Tell um, well, so let's pray and then we'll chatter just a little bit, okay? So, we're, we're 18 after Pentecost and 17 after Trinity. Uh, this was in the old church here, the liberty of the Christian man. He showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God, Micah 6, 8. Lord God, Heavenly Father, grant to us, we pray, your Holy Spirit that we may hear and accept your word in order that being cleansed in mind and renewed in life, we may live to thee and thee alone here now and hereafter in eternity. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. You should have a sheet that says four at the top. Will you please, um, if you get the chance, would you please uh, sign in? We're trying to keep a little better tabs on... on uh, on, on, on things uh, and for reporting and stuff like that. So, all right, any questions about what we've been doing? Everybody okay? You know, what we're trying to figure out is, is what, a, what a Christian community looks like. Or, or, you know, the pastoral task is how to take a bunch of individuals like you and like me. And, you know, we all, this is one of the things, every congregation has its own challenge. One of the, one of the challenges here is that you're so bright and so talented uh, and so assure yourselves in, in your own, uh, you know, I, and I, I, I am, I, you know, I am too, I guess. Uh, one of the hard things is, you know, to take all of that, a couple thousand people that way, and then uh, try to make a congregation out of them. And, of course, the answer is if we try to make a congregation out of it, we'll fail for sure. But part of what you should be already beginning to realize is that making a congregation is the Lord's work. And so um, there are things, you know, there are there are there are things that you look for in a congregation when you know things are going well. So uh, the sermon this morning, honesty is a litmus test for if a congregation is going well. Or last week, divine love expressed in mercy, specifically applied to sinners, so they can be free. That is a mark of a, a God-like community. That is a mark of the church. And so I want to, try to, I want to try for another one today, uh, Divine Love Embodied as Hospitality, which you may or may not consider um, part of the church, but uh, it's, it's funny how you know, things all fit together. In fact, I, I, I tore this out of a magazine a month ago for the staff, and I've never made it to the coffee machine. But, um, oh man, I can't remember the name of this. What's the name of this magazine that's like the Rolling Stone for business? Who gets this? Kirby, what's the name of this magazine I get? No, it's not cranes. Although that's close. There's not enough. There's not a. No, no, no. It's the one about. What's the the management thing? I can't. This is. I'm fried. What is the name of this? What's the name of this? No, it's two. You guys more hip. Think more hip. (laughs) No, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a movie, but it is. uh, Anyway, what was fascinating is well, I ripped out this thing for the staff that's four pages about how hospitality is the new thing that matters. It was particular to the service industry where it was be at a five-star restaurant is not enough. You can't just deliver food and a great wine cellar and expect people to come back. Uh, it was, it's a fascinating article about really the, the gist of it was hospitality is the only thing that matters. Now, if I'd have been smart enough, I'd have given you a copy of that today. I was thinking that through. Gosh, I wish I could, hmm, ah, hmm, all right. Well, anyway, so I'll lead you sort of through this, and we'll see if this shouldn't belong in the church, too. Suspend for a moment what you think you know about yourself and others and about the church. One of the troubles is, especially with people who have been in the church a long time, or at least through eighth grade confirmation, is they, 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 they think they know everything about the church. I was rejoicing this week. I was counting on my fingers the number of things my staff taught me this week. I mean, it was just brilliant, you know, kind of living together with people, who get it and who want to get it? just all sorts of things you just you just learn you learn all sorts of things, watching other Christians at work. It is really a joy you know, and the opposite of that is people who get confirmed and then uh, you know never come back again and think they know everything and, and that's such a sadness so uh, every day you know you suspend what you know about uh, what you what you think you know and you're open to Christ and the text um, so you know. Suspend for a moment what you think about the church, okay. Suspend for a moment what you think about community, you know Lose the idea that um, this church should look like the church you grew up in Now for for some of you you'll say "Ooh, I love that church But for many people you know the the church they grew up wasn't there were complaints about that lose lose for a notion that you actually know the way Okay, embrace for a moment The the notion that you actually might follow Jesus into something that you've never experienced before and that yeah It might stretch you and yeah, that might hurt and yeah, it might be different and yeah You might have to lose some of your bad habits Yeah, and yeah, you might have to intentionally commit Some good works Imagine that okay, just try to imagine it So so and, and you might ask yourself. What does faith look like so last week? It was uh, John 8. Divine love is embodied in Christ and delivered to a woman caught in adultery as forgiveness and freedom. Okay? Fast Company is the name of the magazine. (laughs) (laughs) It was either that or check in over at... uh, Well, never mind. All right, so... Uh, so last week it was the divine life, incarnate in Christ, delivered to a sinner as a word of forgiveness and mercy so that she could be free. Okay, Now that is primarily was an auditory experience where she was cleansed by the word. Now for people who don't think that auditory experiences make any difference, Uh, go home today and for five straight minutes at the top of your voice, yell at, oh, I don't know, your wife, your son, or your dog. Pick one. And then see what the response is. And I hope your dog bites you. So, right, (laughs) auditory experiences actually matter, you know. It matters what you say to people. It matters what you hear. It matters. The other side of that is this week, where divine love embodied in Christ is expressed to other people as a work of mercy. Last week, it was a word of mercy. This week, it is a work of mercy for a stranger. You can go look up Job 31 later, but you remember the story of Job. He's got everything, everything collapses. As he really sort of becomes prickly, he tries to defend himself. And in the midst of his defense to God, um, one of the things that he says is, I never let a stranger go hungry in my midst because he knows that that's what the Lord wants. Or it was in the Micah text we just read. What does the Lord require of you, you know? Well, uh, now you know the Job story picks off and the Lord straightens him out, but nevertheless, a work of mercy for a stranger is at the top of the list. It's the top of the litmus test for what churches are to be doing if they're actually churches and not you know something else. Not clubs, you know, not you know, eating clubs, not country clubs, not rotary clubs. But if it's actually the church, it, it, it should be engaged in works of mercy for the stranger. So spin, if you will, to Titus, if you can find it. <clears throat> Titus, uh, Philemon, Hebrews is the big marker, you know. So it's, it's from the back of your Bible left about uh, half an inch, it looks like, okay. So go to to your back cover and go left half an inch. You should just about be in Titus. Okay, it's after Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, okay? Titus 3, 1 to 8. Now just kind of listen to this. One of the fun things about the New Testament epistles, you know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and really Acts is the second half of Luke. You know, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, as we sort of talk about the Gospels or Gospels and Acts. Uh, you know, they describe Jesus. The New Testament epistles describe Jesus' church, the church that Jesus has. So here you are, doing what is good is how this gets titled, didn't I? Which is, you know, shouldn't be a swear word for you. As, you know, Lutherans, for some reason, whenever you talk about doing good, they immediately, they immediately click to, sanctific- or to justification and say, well, I can't earn my salvation, so there's no point in doing any good. You think to yourself, you know, the Lord does, in fact, your salvation. That is true. He forgives your sins. He goes to the cross. He loves you. He gives it to you as a gift. But you couldn't just ignore the gift and stay the way you are. He's, he's become like Jesus. That's that. he's, he's making you into a new person, become like Adam. So here you go. Now, this is just sort of normal. This is for church people. We're talking about church people. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. Matt, it's just normal stuff. You heard that in James today, and you heard it in the Gospel and the readings for today. This is just how we are, and of course the implication is that other people aren't like this. Other people don't respect authority. Other people aren't kind to their leaders. Other people don't obey. Other people don't do good works. Other people don't tell the truth, right? Other people aren't humbled. He's telling you what the church looks like. And now, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. The trouble with that is there are churches that look like that. Okay? And that's part of the problem. There are churches that look just like the world. When you come into this place... You come into this community, this should be an absolutely otherworldly experience. If it's not an otherworldly experience, there's no reason for anybody to come back. If it looks just like the world, stay home. You know, I mean, because if you can get everything outside that you get inside, stay home, okay? There was a time when you were outside, but, now here's the punchline, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, okay? The divine life, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, You go. Okay, I'll go. Decide that somebody needs to come. In kindness and love, Jesus takes flesh. He appeared. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We heard that last week, love as mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Baptism. Whom he poured out on us generously... Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we too might be heirs of the hope of eternal life. This community becomes the community of saints. We're going to go back and go through this, but hold on to this. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. We should be talking about this all the time in the church. This is what the church is all about. Having a community that looks like this. I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves, intentional good works, to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Rising tide lifts all boats. Right? If you create an ethos, a community, where these things reign, everybody gets better. Okay? But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Now, here's an interesting thing. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time, and after that have nothing to do with him. Which means at some point, if you can't play nice, you can't play. Okay, that's kind of for another day. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful and self-condemned. Okay, point number two on this list. Okay, on the, on the, on the handout. As an act of mercy and kindness and love, I'm sorry, as an act of mercy, comma, kindness and love appear in the person of Christ. The divine love takes flesh. Christ is present. Okay? The person of Christ appears to us in the baptismal font along with the Holy Spirit at the bidding of the Father. That's all stuff that you just sort of normally know. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit... And there Christ embodies us. He takes us into his body, the church. Okay, now here's the payoff, the third thing. The Lord acts mercifully, even though we are utterly opposite him. Even though we are, and try to hear it in this way, entirely strange. Or estranged, as it often comes to us. Estranged, broken, foolish, slandering, disobedient, deceived, hating, and being hated as individuals. That was the description in Titus. Okay, So that's who we are. And so we are totally without communion. When the world is broken, it's broken into pieces, and it's every man for himself. That was the description at the beginning. The church is meant to be opposite that. The church is meant to be Everybody for somebody else it's the text for today servants lead children lead right? honesty leads so We're to devote ourselves to doing good, but then partly you have to ask what in the world would that? look like Okay Now flip back in your text to the Good Samaritan. We may not read all of this because you know it But it's Luke 10 okay, so go left in your Bible All the way back to the Gospel of Luke. Where Jesus talks about kindness to strangers. Okay, you you know this. um, You know, I'm going to read even as you page, because we're short on time, and plus you know the story. But just to get it in your head bouncing around, Luke 10, 29 to 37. Who's my neighbor? Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away leaving him half dead. Happens every morning on the news in Chicago. A priest happened to be going down the same road. He saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So to a Levite came to the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. So his own people let him go. And people these are professionals, you know. These are people who, if you can get some good out of anybody, it ought to be your priest and your Levite. Right. Okay, so now, a Samaritan, and you just have to, a Samaritan would be, you know, that's just, that just rings all the wrong bells for people. Um, he's, a, he's a half Jew at best. He's got mixed blood. He's a muggle, Betty. Yes, yes, he's a muggle, is he? Did you watch it last night? It was on again last night. I don't either. Yeah, I watched something else, too, for a while. After you've seen it like 16 times, it's always going to be the same at the end. Anyway, so uh, yeah, he's mixed blood, right, a Samaritan. So somebody who's impure as he traveled came where the man was, he saw him, he took pity on him, he went to him, bandaged him up, put oil and wine on his wounds, put him, into his, put him onto his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. The next day gave the innkeeper two silver coins and said, look after him, when I'm returned, I'll reimburse you for anything extra. And then, of course, Jesus says, which one was the neighbor? And the man says, well, you know, the one who had mercy on him. There's the word. The one who had mercy on him. But it was concrete mercy, a work of mercy. The poor man's unconscious at best. Or, you know, just sort of of groggy at best. He he mercies him with action. Okay? So I give you, then, uh, xenos, which is the Greek word for foreigner. You know this as xenophobia, right? And um, this, is the word for what? this is the word for somebody who's strange, Betty. I mean, you only have to look a couple of different directions to see people like this right around you. There's, there's strange people all around us, but I'm trying not to notice. So, xenos is the word, like xenophobia or xenophobia. You're, you're afraid of people who are different than you. So now I just ask you, um, did you see anybody you didn't know this morning in church? And if you did, did you walk right up to them and shake their hand and say, we're glad to have you as part of our community. Thanks for coming. Just curious if you did that. Because if you didn't, you may be a xenophobe. Yeah. Or just horribly self-interested. It could be that too. So, you know, but you have to choose your... Just trying to loosen you up a little bit, okay? (laughs) Don't be too reflective here. But ask yourself, when a stranger comes into our midst, how you react. I mean, I can't, this is the strangest thing here. You, you people who, you, you know, you shake hands and grin all week long to make millions of dollars, and then you come to church and go like this when anybody's around you. I mean, you know, when we have strangers in this place, new people, you should be, you should be knocking each other down trying to figure out who they are so you, you can deliver a little bit of mercy to them. You know, I know you're busy, I know there's other place to go, I know there's no parking, I know there's no space, I know that Val makes you get your kids down there right away, this is all her fault. I know that, okay? (laughs) But I mean, the reality is, it starts with the little things. It starts with a kind word for somebody who's strange. You might lead with that. You seem strange to me and I'd just like to talk to you. And then I sort of give you the... (laughs) Dictionary definition strangeness produces mutual tension between natives and foreigners you're the native They're the foreigner. They're the Xenos, you know, you're the child but Hospitality overcomes the tension and makes the alien a friend Historically foreigners are primarily enemies or outlaws who should be killed That's not a good policy in the church. It is then found however that hospitality is a better way to deal with strangers, and they thus become wards of law and religion. And so in the scriptures, loving the stranger is a special form of love. It's a special form of divine love. Loving a stranger is known as hospitality, and it's a special form of love that is reserved for people who are not like us. Now, if I ask you in the Good Samaritan story, uh, this is the old school reading of the story, who's Jesus in the story, what do you say? what did you learn in Sunday school? Who's Jesus in the story? Who is it? The Samaritan, is, is how the, that's the old school reading. The, 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 the Jesus is the Samaritan, the outcast, and he comes and he takes care of all your woes. And in one sense, you know, that's a consistent reading with Jesus going to the cross. It's one way to read it, that Jesus is this image of one who shares hospitality and in everywhere cares for somebody else. However, um, there is another way to read the story. If you flip over, the other way to read the story is, in fact, as some of you said, that Jesus is the one by the side of the road. You know, we normally read the story as Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus comes to take care of all our needs. Jesus is the hero. You be Jesus. You know, you can read the story that way if you want. Um, The only problem is it makes Jesus uh, maybe a little more law-oriented than than maybe we want him to be. But the other side is, is that it's possible that Jesus is the guy by the side of the road. It's possible that Jesus is the stranger in your midst. Okay, now why would you say that? Can you think Why? thank you. So if you go left to Matthew 26, you get part of the answer. Okay? Matthew 25, sorry. In Matthew 25, Jesus says very specifically that he's the Zenos. He is the stranger. You know, it's nice that you could kind of quote this text by heart. You remember this by heart, too. One reason I'm not working the text quite as hard is I actually just want to tie the stories together so you can go out and ponder them in a different way. Jesus, you know, as Matthew goes on, by Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the end of the world. By Matthew 26, it's the end of Jesus. By Matthew 27, he's dead. By Matthew 28, he's resurrected and given, um, uh, given out the instructions that his disciples, he's ordaining disciples and sending them out to baptize and teach. But before that, in Matthew 25, right after he tells you to use your talents well, Matthew 25, 14, then he gives you the payoff of what happens when you do and don't use your talents well. This is uh, Matthew twenty-five thirty-one. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and they'll separate, separate people one from another, just like a shepherd who separates sheep and goats. So put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those in his right, Come. You who were blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. I'll gloss this for you. Come be part of the eternal church. come be part of the community of saints. Come join the brothers and sisters who went before you. Come join all those people going right up that stained glass window. Just come and join those people, get in line, you're on the way. And then he says, "For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, I was a xenos and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you closed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. See, part of the thing is you can't play mercy as a word off against mercy as a work. You know, mercy incarnates in different ways. You know, it is true that you can put a word right into somebody's ear. But occasionally, people need more. What they need is food. What they need is clothing. What they need is for you to stand up. We probably had at 9 o'clock, you know, I don't know how many visitors we had. We probably had 20 visitors or 25. There were, there were at least 15 people who communed who I've never seen before, okay? Which means they're at least aware of something that's going on. They at least are aware of their need or they're Lutheran, they're sitting in to listen or they don't know what's going on at all, but that's what everybody else was doing. I, I don't know, but there were at least 15 people, and there were probably 25 people here at 9 o'clock. Now, I'm wondering to myself right now what those people are doing and what they're saying about us. I'm just wondering, I'm wondering right now, did we do everything in terms of acting in, did we reach out to them in mercy as works by making the, the, those people who were Zenos in our midst, those people who were strangers, you need to return and say, and not for any practical reason, so they'll, they'll keep coming back and join and give, or they'll put our kids in the school, their, their kids in the school for no other reason except that Jesus says, this is what I do, and this is what people who are in my church do, and it's non-negotiable. You know, that's one of the hardest things for us, because in addition to sort of pumping hands and grinning all week, you all negotiate everything, and you respect the person who can drive the, drive the, drive the price down on a new Cadillac the farthest, you know, you'd be the toast of the joy group. Just <laughs> seeing if you're still paying attention. So, uh, this, I, and now I apologize to the joy group. <laughs> so that I'm, next time I go down, I'm not a stranger in their midst. Okay, so see, see, the thing is, is this is you come into this world, where all week long you've been smiling at people and working them and talking and being interested and, you know, I'm, I'm driving, I don't know when I was somewhere, I, I, yesterday it must have been and they have like these business tips on the radio and they're like, When you go to a meeting, when you you go to a networking opportunity, ask people, how are they? Ask them, how are they enjoying the meeting? Ask them how long they've been, I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to go back to biz school and teach and make a million bucks. You know, I mean, how hard is this? Well, the thing is, it's extraordinarily hard if you don't take it as your own burden. It's extraordinarily hard if you don't take it as your own responsibility. You know, there should not be 25 people in this congregation at 9 a.m. who I've never seen before without you all surrounding them and saying, hey, you're strange, or something like that. Um, and we'd just like to get to know you a little bit for no, other, for no practical reason other than that's what Jesus bids you to do. And Jesus is very clear about this, and, and you know, it goes beyond. You know, people show up for church in a, for, for a reason. I mean, if there are 25 people here this morning who we've never met before, you know, they're here for a reason. People just don't drive by and stop in. I mean, that is not what normal people do. These people are, they're, they're strange in some sense, they're abnormal, and do you know what kind of courage it takes to screw up, screw up, to, to screw up the courage, let me finish this sentence. you know the kind of courage it takes to screw up, just let me tell you. <laughs> Do you know what it takes to screw up the courage to walk into a church especially like this when this church doesn't look like the outside world? It it is, I mean, in fact, true. It is much easier to walk into a church where that's non-liturgical, that people are wearing shorts, where the music sounds just like music on the radio. That is much easier, I actually get that. So do you know how much courage it takes for people to to screw up the courage to come in here on a Sunday morning? And if they're not showing hospitality, if they're they're strangers who are left to be strangers, if they're not engaged, if they don't have the sense that you all have anything to deliver to them, if they have the sense that you don't care, if they have the sense that you're not willing to break the tension that is common between natives and foreigners, I, I don't know how many different ways to say this, if you're not intentional about that, you're not doing what the divine life of the Trinity bids you to do. Christ takes flesh, and presents himself to us. Christ takes flesh and draws us into himself. Why? Not only for our good. As soon as it's for your good, that story is over. That's the gospel for today. As soon as you're in, then your attention turns completely to somebody else. And of course the payoff, and this was you know, Friday morning women's Bible study last week, the payoff is... Engaging in this life, actually doing it, changes you. Just like on Friday, we talked about actually praying changes you. If you pray, you're a different kind of Christian than if you don't. You're a different kind of person. If you are hospitable, if you are intentional about hospitality, you become a different kind of person. You see needs where you didn't see them before. It spurs generosity. It spurs empathy. It spurs kindness. It creates a cohesive place, and those sorts of things then snowball upon themselves. And Jesus couldn't be clearer about it. A, it's what he did, and B, it's who he is. You know, Jesus is the stranger, you did it to me. And it's an impossibility to escape that text. You just cannot have church where you come and talk a little bit about Jesus and go out the door. You just can't have that, that's not the church. It's not the community, on the other hand, if you would let those words have their way with you, if we would always be warm and welcoming to the strangers in our midst, this would be a completely different place. it would have a completely different feel, uh, and life would be better. In the most alien of aliens, Jesus is loved. I couldn't think of a better way to say that. In the strangest person that appears to you, Jesus is loved. So Christ embodies us, but here's the thing. Yeah, we're part of Jesus' body, but you know what? In an extended sense, so are those strangers. You did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And so I'm, I'm at five now. Hospitality boils down to kindness to strangers. The kind of hospitality that Jesus himself showed us as sinners, that was last week, as mercy, words of mercy. The kindness Jesus gives us to be giving out to others as the merciful work of his body or of his community. So last week was all about words of witness. This week it's all about acts of mercy and those two things can't be separated. If you separate them, you're not Christian. It's as simple as that, that's what James says. For these five or six weeks we read James every week and James just keeps saying, (laughs) you know what? If there's no acts of mercy, you're not Christian. Whatever you say about yourself, you're just not a Christian. Well, I mean, that's pretty stark, and Lutherans rebel against that. You know, even Luther said, if I had my choice, I'd take the book of James, you know, tie it to a rock and throw it in the river. I mean, well, but on the other hand, um, well, if Luther was here, we could ask him to read again, but we'd do that gently. Just gently we'd do that, see? Um, Last thing, as one of you so elegantly put it last week, this means practicing intentional community okay now if you begin to think what intentional community looks like one of the cool things about intentional community is it looks like the opposite of so many things that break down the church the church breaks down I mean it's the text for this morning in secrecy the church breaks down in individualism the church breaks down when it's all about me The Church breaks down when I'm always first and it's only for me and my family. The Church breaks down when it's about what's convenient for me. The Church breaks down when it's only what I want to hear. The Church builds up when it's all about Christ. The the Church builds up when it's all about others. The Church builds up when it's always love expressed as Words of Mercy. The Church builds up when it's all about love expressed as acts of mercy. That builds the Church up and it gives Jesus the Church He wants and that's the point. You're not the point and I'm not the point. The point is that Jesus wants a particular kind of church. And you know what, I, I know that, um, you know, I know that churches can have histories you know, for a long, long time, but you know, frankly, like you, I'm gonna be dead soon. And wouldn't you like to see it in your lifetime? I mean, wouldn't you just before you die like to be part of a church that did what it was supposed to do? I mean, how hard is this? You know, get, like, you get lucky, you might live 80 years, Come on, isn't this what's supposed to be happening here? So, um, last thing, you might just consider what it would be if you were intentionally communal, if you were intentionally, if you paid attention to strangers, if you were quick with a word of mercy. But if you did that, you can never separate merciful forgiveness. Uh, You can never, it's never just for the community, but outside. It's never in the abstract. It's actually about loving icky people in their ickiness, and strange people in their strangeness. And it's never saying, and I think, and you know, the church, I think, one of the things I've learned about St. John, we probably contribute to this. It's never about saying, I'm too busy. You know, when I came, you know, the complaint was we did too little. I think the complaint now probably is, and it would be an honest complaint about us, we do too much. We probably need to do fewer things well, but we need to do them together. And I wonder if that would change us. You know, I wonder if that would help us uh, get our focus out. You might just consider this, and as you consider it, you might also consider that it's non-negotiable. Not because I said it, but because Christ said it. Go read those three texts, read Titus, read the Good Samaritan, read Jesus on the last day, boom, it just goes right in a row, ding, 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 that's what's supposed to happen. So, you know, outreach, evangelism, strangers, acts of mercy, that should be sort of, and what you will find then, is that when we do that, um, we'll become a different sort of people. Uh, Last thing, like so many other things in the church, the only way to know is to try. You can't actually think this through. You you actually actually can't can't gain this by thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm big on thinking, but you can't gain this by thinking. You can only gain this by doing. You'll only find out if you do it. We will only find out together if we do it together. That's the only way we'll find it out. So, I mean, we need, to take the, we, we need to make a choice about what kind of church we're going to be. I suggest that we be the kind that Jesus wants us to be and all be well with us. All right, thanks for listening. I'll see you uh, next week. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses